You are listening to the Beyond Yoga Teacher Training Podcast. I am your host, Sandy Raper. On this podcast, I will share stories and invite conversations that will help you grow and support sustainability within your yoga practice, your pathway of service as a yoga teacher, and beyond. Hey, are you a yoga teacher that sometimes feels unclear about the direction you should take in your teaching path, or possibly you feel uncertain and lack confidence in areas of your teaching skill set? Well, this is where a mentor is so crucial to come alongside of you to help sift through and reinforce the skills it takes to create longevity and to sustain a healthy teaching career. I have 20 years of teaching experience and I am passionate about supporting you and other teachers to grow and expand into the teacher you desire to be. I can totally support you within a variety of areas, including how to run a successful yoga studio, how to operate as a solo entrepreneur, develop effective workshops and successful teacher trainings, and even the development of your very own podcast to support your teaching career and more. Private mentoring sessions are the fastest and best way for you to get the results you are seeking. Ready to dive in and work with me one-on-one? Well, I'm ready. So head over to my website, sandyraper.com, or click the link in the show notes and schedule your call today. Now, let's get into today's episode. In today's episode, I have a conversation with Bree Johnson. Bree has been teaching yoga and movement since 2003. She is a teacher, mentor, and community builder with a focus on a functional and sustainable approach to yoga. She is known for providing a safe foundation of healthy movement while remaining focused on the heart of the yogic teachings. Bree is the founder of Heart and Bones Yoga, a global online yoga studio and international yoga teacher training courses. As the popularity of yoga increases along with the yoga-related injuries, this approach has made her a sought-after teacher in the yoga and movement communities. Listen in now to my conversation with Bree Johnson. Welcome, Bree. I am excited to share time with you today and have conversation. How are you doing? I'm good. Mostly good with my <laughs> freshly broken pinky toe. Oh, <laughs> I know. You and I were chatting right before yeah. we started recording. And gosh, such is life. <laughs> the, the changes that take place and then the things that those incidents that happen, right, can quickly mm-hmm. change uh, mm-hmm. uh, our day or, or whatever we have going on. So I'm looking forward to having conversation with you. And I appreciate you uh, spending time with me today. Um, the, the listeners are starting to understand in this, this season two of the beyond yoga teacher training podcast, this, this concept of becoming, and I'm having some wonderful conversations with people about that. And so I'm excited to kind of expand on that and, and pinpoint some areas of becoming, um, with you and just thought, maybe I just ask in the beginning, as we get started, kind of when you hear that, that concept of becoming, and it could be a variety 
variety of things that we are becoming. Um, how would you interpret that? Yeah, it's an interesting question and it's an interesting word, like becoming. It's it's not solid, it's not finite, it's not like I have become. It's just, it's like to me inherently it's process. Mm -hmm. But one of the questions, like the way that I like to think and approach my yoga practice, which is really my practice of self-awareness, is asking kind of questions underneath the question. So when I look at the word becoming, I go, well, what are we trying to become? Where do we think we, we go? Because it's a great concept. And I think most people think about it and hear it and we get it. Right. Like, oh, yes, becoming, yes. But then, what is that? <laughs> well, but then if we pop, like, let's pause for a moment and go, well, what are we, what are we trying to become? Where are we going? What's the roadmap on this? Mm -hmm. So we can have that clarity as we then can become and unfold and grow into that. But we got, I think it's helpful to know what and where and, and, you know, and then there's other layers of it too, where it's sort of, I think about, well, becoming and becoming what, and how do we become, who do we become? And is something wrong with us now that we have to change out of that? Cause becoming right. is a forward movement. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and like you said, you know, and there's getting clear, you know, on, on, that uh, what are you seeking to become? And, and to me, I kind of, people know too, from listening to the podcast, I'm a word person and I like to not glaze over some words. Sometimes it seems so like we know that. And then it's like, well, what does that really mean? And so for me and, and this trying to understand becoming better. And like you said, I love that you mentioned a process and it's kind of this, what I've Googled <laughs> is this becoming kind of a desired um, state of being, you know, and that be being the part of becoming. And, and so that's kind of broad. Um, and then we can start to, you know, and hear us talking more of this concept we hear of um, becoming a yoga teacher, you know, how do we do that? And so I'm curious too, to understand better your pathway of, you know, how you stepped onto the pathway of, of quote, becoming a yoga teacher. And, and we can expand on that. Like, how do you even know? Like, when did you, when do we know we arrived that we actually are a teacher, a yoga teacher? So just thought you might want to share a little bit and let us understand, you know, kind of what was your pathway? I think it's a really powerful question for yoga teachers. And I think this is a really important conversation to have because I have been teaching myself since 2003 and I teach a lot. And over the years, I've teach a lot of teachers and teacher trainings. And I see a lot of people struggling with imposter syndrome or struggling with never feeling like they're good enough. And I think an unarticulated question of becoming or like an unarticulated going, well, when will I be a teacher? When is it good enough? When do I feel like I, I, I can be an expert or, or even have the responsibility to teach? I think these are the deeper questions yes. that are underneath that imposter and the doubt mm -hmm. syndrome. And all I can say in my experience, again, teaching for almost 20 years, is I'm still becoming, mm -hmm. I'm never gonna stop. That is, I think right. if we zoom out into the macro, that is life. Yes. I never wanna become, mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> period, right? So, but becoming <laughs> as a word, that means we're always in process, we're always in change, yes. we're always in growth. And 
truly like I'm still learning so much about teaching yoga even 20 years in and my god and in another 20 years hopefully I'm still (laughs) going to be becoming right but becoming what becoming like again like what am I becoming and so for me as a teacher I think that becoming you know when when have I felt validated or valid to be a teacher even call Mm. myself a teacher like so in 2003 I was 23 years old so I was young, you know, mm-hmm. young little me. Like, <laughs> was I allowed to teach, right? Uh, and then a couple of years after that, I started my own yoga studio. So at like the age of 25, well, 25-year-old me. I look back at that now going, you know, owning a yoga studio. Like, these are big things. Right. And when, was I allowed to do that at that age? Mm-hmm. Obviously, I was, you know, and, and, <laughs> but there's, and so that was more of a, like a metaphorical question of was I like, when do we become allowed to step into power, our own sense of self, right? And our own mm-hmm. sense of responsibility of sharing these teachings. And, right. and I, so I, I'm really not surprised that so many people are like, well, I'll never be able to do that because I also think bad thoughts in my head and I just judged that person. And I don't look like the yoga magazines and, you know, all these things that give us reason to think that we can't have that responsibility of teaching, mm-hmm. let alone our childhoods, maybe, right? The stories that we've been told were not good enough. And then the world outside media, capitalism, all those fun things tell us we're not good enough. And then, right. especially as women, you know, who, who are we to step into a role of power, mm. especially as teachers and, and slash who are we to carry this tradition so these are big real questions that I don't think I've ever met somebody who hasn't struggled with in one form or another so I think unpacking that concept of becoming and maybe having this dialogue around and talking to people who've been teaching for so long and reckon and normalizing this process in fact I'm a little biased but I think most yoga teacher training should be this should be one of the first lessons (laughs) in the training is hey you're never going to know everything uh, right. One of the, in our teacher training that we do, that it, one of our first lessons is we say, there's no mistakes, mm. Like you'll make mistakes, but there right. are no mistakes. Right. And it's that sort of nebulous, like, what do you mean? What? <laughs> because, you know, in my view as a human being, who's been on this process of becoming into what I don't know, but this process of learning who I am, and will always be the case until the day that I die, uh, we can make mistakes, but each mistake is an opportunity for learning if we choose to see it as such. Yes. So hence, there are no mistakes. You know? Right. You're not, you're not going to be graded. Yeah. <laughs> There's no pass or fail in life. Right. Um, yeah, it's big. It's big. Yeah. I mean, it becomes more of this, you know, how are you going to respond? And, you know, are you going to react? And, you know, I love the, and I use this on myself and I use it as a mother of three. I use it with my children, get out of your own way, <laughs> get out of your own way. And sometimes we get in the way and that self-doubt talk and the, you know, and I can remember back to when I knew sitting in, um, a training that I was in, that I was being called. I wanted to be a teacher of teachers. I wanted to support that. I felt within me that that was the, the, where I was being led. But then I also shrunk real quickly and thought, oh, <laughs> who am I? I don't know it all. 
like who, you know, who am I? And so thankfully, you know, some encouragement and, and guidance from those of, I always seek people on the path that I feel are a little ahead on the path that I could kind of reach out to, um, and grab their hand to help me along and understand better. And some great guidance was, you know, like you don't need to know it all. You're not going to know it all. Like you just got to start and you teach what you need to learn and you teach what you need to, you know, this just continual process. But I think like you said, and that that's why it's important for me to have these conversations with people like yourself out there. Cause there's a level of endurance, right. For you to say you've all, you've been teaching almost 20 years, there's a level of endurance that's taken place. And I'm, I'm that same kind of category next year marks about 20 years. And it's like, the ups and downs of it, the going through that, you know, becoming like, you know, and and just being willing to continue to learn to, to become into a desired state. That doesn't mean I'm going to stay in that desired state. I'm going to, you know, learn to grow, to move forward to the next thing and how important, you know, I really want to speak to those who are thinking about wanting to step onto this pathway of service you know, and, and become a, a yoga teacher. Um, it's, it's a pretty big, something to, to process instead of on a whim, you know, kind of step into that. And so how do you think we create longevity? Like, you know, you and I talking with kind of the same thing, how do we create this longevity and the sustainability on this pathway? Well, I think the, there's a, there's something that I just want to pull back on for a second, even mm-hmm. just with the sense yeah. of um, teaching, and like trusting the process of, you know, becoming a teacher and teaching people just, you know, we're a little bit of in, uh, ahead of in a sense. And mm-hmm. I just want to remind everybody who's listening that there's that fine line of still responsibility of, of ethical teaching, like teach what we know, you yes. know, and I think yoga is something that it, first of all, like yoga is this practice of self-awareness. Yoga mm-hmm. is more than these yoga poses as we mm. hopefully all recognize and know and we we live in a culture and a school system that is built on expertise right you're mm. tested and measured in school mm-hmm. and if you've passed this test and if you've passed this grade at a certain grade level then you're you're really smart you know we put mm. these labels on ourselves and then for to so I think like this cultural thing of expertise, which I think is valid, and especially you know I want my medical doctor to know <laughs> what they're doing. Yes, I want her to be right. Like just last night when I was at the hospital, I want the doctor to be able to pull my toe into place and know what yes. they're doing. Yes, I wouldn't want just somebody to be like, I believe I'm a <laughs> right. Like, so yeah, you know, and so it's nebulous as yoga teachers like that, and I think that we, we some of us will get stuck in that in that space of okay, well, I'm nowhere near an expert. I've only been mm-hmm. doing yoga for a couple of years. I don't know enough. Like I said, you know, I'm not living that yoga lifestyle. Which, P.S. You're human. Mm-hmm. What is this yoga lifestyle, right? Right. Like, like there's that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> right. Important conversation. Yes. But so it's like this tenuous space of continuing to grow and learn, move forward, be humble, be responsible and ethical in what you're teaching and how you're positioning yourself, but, and yet still step into that role of responsibility. So I keep, I keep coming back to that word responsibility. So I think it's less about the expert. I think it's less as we become yoga teachers, it's, you know, you've done a 200 hour and now you've got this piece of paper mm-hmm. that now deems you yoga teacher, which in my experience is only just the very tiny first yeah. step. You don't, you can't get good at teaching 
without mm-hmm. just teaching. You got to just get into the right. fire yes. and teach and mess up, make yes. some, like teach some classes that you think aren't that great mm-hmm. and then learn from them. So then going back to your question of which, if I can fully remember it, it was yeah, uh, longevity and sustainability, yeah, so, which is that showing up in this practice, showing up in ourselves first and foremost as teachers of yoga it is a practice of self-awareness I said that already and something my sister said to me years ago in the in the height of my existential crisis and I was going on a car trip and I was going on and on about my (laughs) whatever insecurities and the teaching and what am I going to do and then she was like Brie your it sounds like your yoga is your yoga because all of my internal strife was happening through the lens of being a yoga teacher. I, there was nothing else in my life at that time that had any strife. So any strife mm-hmm. and discomfort that I was having was around my teaching and around my identity as a teacher and around what I wanted to offer. And that stuck with me ever since where my yoga is my yoga. And I think as all yoga teachers, our yoga is our yoga practice. So those moments of doubt when we show up in a class and you know, I remember my early days, just I'd play to the one person who I perceived wasn't enjoying the class. God knows <laughs> if that was true or not. Odds are right. they probably were. But they had what I sometimes call resting yoga face. <laughs> yes. which, just because they're not smiling doesn't mean they're not enjoying it. But I would perceive that as not enjoying and right. I would focus on them instead of anybody else. Mm-hmm. And so there's a ticket to awareness. So why mm. was I only focusing on what I perceived to be the one person that didn't like that. And asking again, the questions under the questions, well, why do I care about that one person? Why does that matter? And then, you know, you dig deep and you dig deep and it's like, oh, because I just want everybody to love me. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, or I was told at age five that, you know, you're not good enough and you must prove right. Like whatever these stories are, they're going yeah. to show up in our teaching because we also care about what we teach. Mm-hmm. And when we care about something, yoga is a practice, I'm gonna assume for most people who have, taken a teacher training or want to or want to start teaching I'm going to assume that yoga has made a difference in our life and has changed Mm -hmm. and we want to share that experience with others right so it's something that's very close to our heart and we've probably had teachers that we've admired and loved and we want to emulate as well like wow that teacher offered this experience to me that Mm -hmm. helped change my life now I want to be like that so all these things then when you step into the role of a teacher even if you've been teaching for 15 years this stuff is still going to come up we step into that role and when what not if but when those doubts arise when we start to compare when all this like all this feelings of discomfort in ourselves Mm -hmm. those are the opportunities to learn that is the yoga of our yoga so to me that is the process of becoming a yoga teacher is that we're, we're excavating ourselves. Why do I feel uncomfortable? Why am I worrying and it's so much about that one class? Why mm-hmm. can't I just walk away from the class and feel confident? Right. Right. So all of these things, those are your yoga. That's our yoga practice. Yeah. Because if we're not looking at them, we're, that's going to compound in our mind, body mm-hmm. and heart. And then it's going to make it even more uncertain <laughs> every time we teach. And we're going to be even more susceptible to comparison. Right. And, you know, again, I just, I, I just always using recent learning events, like breaking my toe last night <laughs> is discomfort, right? So having a little bit of pain, my seeing my toe out at an angle that it shouldn't be and like going, okay, <laughs> breathe. 
And when we, and but underneath that, so I, I've been re recently into mountain biking and one of and a bunch of people I know have recently had injuries. And so one of my own personal fears is, oh my God, I've just gotten into a sport that's actually quite dangerous, right. <laughs> but I love it and I don't want to stop. Mm -hmm. And then I broke my little toe, not in, not mountain biking, just stubbing mm -hmm. it. But then I, so some of the work that I did last night is as I'm lying in bed afterwards, feeling a little bit of the throbbing pain and feeling this discomfort in my chest. And I had to just sit there and go, well, what is this? Is this the mm -hmm. pain or what am I scared of? And I just had to be really honest as an example going, wait, I'm scared of hurting myself more. I feel, I, I recognize the vulnerability of just our human form. Mm -hmm. You know, we're so yes. fragile and yet so strong. And, mm -hmm. and once I was honest with myself about those feelings, then it was easier. Mm -hmm. So that's just one example. That's not a yoga example, but this is an example of how we navigate and move through life. So I definitely, for me, that's all I know of yeah. longevity because, yeah. and then, and then the more we do that and the more we get used to that process of mm -hmm. uncovering the questions underneath the questions, well, why am I feeling this? Uh, then it's exciting because then you, you see movement forward. Yeah. And it clears a little bit of the debris. And I'm like, okay, whew, okay. I'm not carrying that as much. I can move right. on. Right. Or have, or have my tearful pity party that I had this morning. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, right. and which is great. And then yeah. I move on. Exactly. So we can have our pity parties about that terrible class we think we taught. And you can be like, or that one person who gave you a bad review in your class, let's say, <laughs> who knows? Be mad about that, right? Yeah. Be normal, be human. Right. And let's work through that. Why did that bother me so much? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm kind of think this, and this was kind of rolling around in my mind uh, this morning, actually. And then you and I talking too. I mean, do you think that then from a teacher standpoint of, you know, two teachers who've been on this pathway for a while that our greatest preparation as teachers is our own personal experience within the practice my ability to teach from a place I know. I mean, I only know my experience in the practice and then I know the teachings that support to offer an experience um, to my students. But like you said, looking out, sometimes we know what they've walked in with. Sometimes we don't know. We probably have a general understanding just in the humanity and the suffering component, which is you know, now the teachings of yoga, why we're, you know, practicing this system for life, you know, that they're, our students are coming in with stuff and we have our own stuff, but my greatest preparation is for me to stay dedicated to my personal practice. Um, so I am in that, that becoming state and moving on, like you said, even in that practice of awareness, you know, being aware. And like you said, that example you gave of your toe is really not yoga, but it really is. <laughs> I mean, it really yeah. is. That's when it's relevant. And like for me as a teacher, it's like, I want this to be something that's relevant <laughs> that, you know, helps support you through your life. Not that it's just some little extra something out here that we do because whatever, you know, no, it's integrated into when you stub your toe, when you have these, you know, crisis moments. You can pause, hopefully get your breath, calm yourself down. And so to be able to sustain this pathway of teaching, I mean, which you, yeah, I kind of heard a little bit of that already, but, you know, it's ability for us to be vulnerable to that and to those inquiries and to how we're responding to the practice so that we might better equip our students. I mean, to me, it becomes this kind of inauthentic. If I, I can 
fake it till I'm, I mean, you can fake it a little bit, but if you're not really grounded in your own personal practice, how long can you really inspire others? Yeah. Yeah. But, and these are interesting questions too, because in some ways, what does grounded in our own personal practice? practice mean and mm. I know what you mean and I know mm-hmm. what you're getting at so I'm, I'm not yeah but but let's wanna, talk about it yeah because in some ways that sets teachers up again for these unconscious stories I don't know if it's always super conscious for some people to go again I'm not I can't be a good teacher because I yelled at my kid or I again like yelled at the person who cut me off in my car and I'm still mm-hmm. judging and all those <laughs> things that we perceive a yogi or a yoga teacher needs to overcome right yeah. there's this whether that's a clear, clearly been taught to us or it's an unconscious story in our mind and yeah. we see ourselves as the beautifully imperfect people that we are and will always be. Mm-hmm. And we see ourselves behaving not in these quote, quote, yogic ways. Well, then I'm a fraud. And yeah. so now I hear the word, I have to be grounded in my practice, but I just, again, yeah, yelled at my kid or whatever the things are. And I, and it's a and I mean, word. well, can we, let's, maybe this grounded in, I guess, the, the, the practice meaning I'm going to get back on my mat. I'm going to, or I'm going to, you know, my meditation, because, or I'm going to pause here at this stoplight or this, you know, grounded in going back to the teachings of that, which not takes us out of our humanity because we are human and, you know, makes us something unauthentic, you know, and that becoming of teachers thinking that, you know, you have to have it all together all the time. Like who does that anyway? Who is that person? Like I've not met that person. I think it's unrealistic. And so, you know, maybe the grounded piece being knowing where to come back to, like, or knowing, like you said, to take a moment to, to understand, you know, be real with the feelings uh, and understand yeah. what you're you well, know, responding and I also, to. Sure. And I also think too, you know, it's also, a professionalism because mm. if, if it's a crap is going to happen, I don't know if I swear <laughs> here, but you know, stuff is going to happen in life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I don't know how many times I've been in the midst of something painful or, or emotional or a fight or whatever it is in my life. And then now you have to go teach mm-hmm. and you have to show up and quote, quote, be grounded on your mat. And it's like <laughs> the last thing we have to be. And somehow, because yoga is such a personal practice, right? As we taught, mm-hmm. as we're talking and identifying, yoga is this personal practice that of transformation and awareness. And of course, we that's what we want to teach as teachers. But then, and you also have permission to be professional, which means you can be a total hot mess and be in pain. And, and, you know, we do the breathing, we do the things that we think are good as yoga teachers. And also we're human and we also need to be hot messes and give ourselves permission to go through hot mess time and then come out of that. And sometimes hot mess happens and now it's five o'clock and I have to teach this class. So I want to share a perspective that I found helpful over the years of like, remembering we're still professionals here. Yes. This isn't the time to then walk into your class and go, oh my God, you guys, (laughs) you know, like nobody cares. This is not, no, it's like, I don't know how many, I remember one time a person who I know, uh, I don't know what is going on in my life, but he knows me and he knew what was going on in my life and and, and watched me go from like, uh, into like, and hi. (laughs) Teacher, you know, and I look at that as not faking it. That's called being professional and holding space and putting my crap on the side for the moment. And maybe my, yes. I'm not going to be as jovial or playful in my classes, right. maybe a little bit more of a somber class. But so I also want to show that to teachers. So even if you're falling apart inside, like any job, this is still a job and any job that we have, we still got to show up. 
right. if we don't want to. So right. there's also another framing of the perception of having it together or having it, oh, but I'm not, I don't fit into this yogi thing. My, my life is falling apart. I'm not a good yogi. Like, come on, everyone, with the most utmost love and compassion you don't have to have everything can you like can together to be a good yogi mm -hmm. to be a good yoga person yoga person yogi uh, <laughs> practitioner teacher is to just keep showing up in all the ways with love and that's why that word becoming is interesting because it gives us this unconscious sense that there's some ideal that we need to go to and i also want to pull back and question mm -hmm. what the hell is this ideal Right. What, what is good enough right now? And I'm going to throw in one other thing within that sense of becoming and what we're talking about of, okay, I got to do this work in myself. I have to, you know, and, you know, breathe mm. on this podcast saying, oh, I've got to, you know, like do always look good, work, 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 that internal work. Like, yes, please. Cause this yes. is how we grow and evolve. And like I said, I also had a tearful pity party where I fully, I don't know how many times I just cried to my partner going, this is stupid. This is so stupid. Like I was not friggin' yogi person in that moment. And now whatever we grow and evolve and but I had to get that emotion out. But teachers, people listening, um, becoming is not an, an individual practice. Our mm -hmm. practice of self-awareness is, and this is one of the biggest disservices that I think our culture and like our culture of consumerism and uh, systems of oppression that bring things on hierarchy and bring things as this space of putting it all on our own shoulders. Mm -hmm. um, my learning and my wisdom and growth is this inside job. And I like, yes, no one can change you, but you, I can't change anybody. They want right. to change, but, but I can't do it alone. And right. you can't do it alone. Right. This process of becoming is a collaborative experience of relationship. Mm. And so there's a lot, and I hope that eases when I say that, that eases some pressure off of people's shoulder if unconsciously they, it's all on me. Oh my God, I, I responded this way. And oh, uh, you know, this pressure, pressure, pressure to be mm -hmm. a good yoga teacher. But you yeah. already are as a, like, you know, you're already a good yoga person if you're showing up in life. Right vulnerable and real and asking for help and support and recognizing we've become there is no becoming in an as an individual process mm -hmm. like we still have to do our own work right right like so it's an interesting yeah. crux but yeah that's yeah and then it gets to a point where it's kind of like it's, it's not about me as the teacher I'm a facilitator and I I am sharing and creating and supporting space. And how, I mean, so it's kind of like, it is about, uh, you know, I want to be skillful in what I'm doing, but it's about the teachings. And it's like, how do I get, uh, how do I go in confident knowing, but, but release it to be that it's about me and this reflection me, and I can let the teachings come through. And that's kind of like my that's me <laughs> telling you my process of this continual live into that. I feel like that becoming, I am still in, you know, like you said, it's continual process of like, how do I make it less about me? But I need to be comp. I need to, you know, I want to be effective. I want to hold space. Well, I want to be professional. I want to be a good manager of my time because people are entrusting me with it. I want to be somebody people can trust. I want to connect to people. And so then there's this whole other concept that will probably be another podcast topic about 
you know, connection over confidence, you know, like we want to be like confidence is a good thing, but when does it start to become, it creates disconnect. If I come in and it's all about me and this confident air about me, but I disconnect with those that are in the space with me, like what good was that? And then it's the practices become about me. And, you know, I think that's just constant. Like you said, we got to be in check. We got to be evaluating, got to ask the questions. And why am I attaching so much to this person over here that looks like they're having the worst time ever? Like, you know, why am I catering to that? And, you know, and it's, and is it even true? (laughs) Right. And probably not, (laughs) you know, um, and it's, it's those evaluations of those stories and those things. And like you said, the things that we've pulled along with us all our life that now, you know, move into us as stepping into becoming what, you know, a yoga teacher. And I think about the becoming thing of like, when I became a a mother, I had this concept that I would be a mom one day, but I had no idea what it would look like. And thank goodness I didn't (laughs) because it's evolved into this beautiful thing that I can hardly even articulate how, what it is. And so to me, it's kind of like, is that the moments of in the becoming, I just experienced being in the space of something that evolved beautifully unforced. And it's a, and I think motherhood or parenthood of any form is a beautiful metaphor reflection of that. Cause it's true. I remember that when my son was born, it wasn't like you had a baby and then all of a sudden, in fact, I had a very clear awareness at that time where it was like, I had had 30 years of being me without a kid. And then two days of me being mother. <laughs> and I recognized pretty quickly, like, it, like yes, quote, quote, you're a mother. Yeah, okay, like, yes. But the becoming into whatever that means, I recognized so quickly, it was like, oh, it will take just as long because old, there was almost like old me and new me and they needed that time to intermesh together. Mm. And it's like that with teaching. It's like that with, uh, with everything so much, right? There is... And that's why becoming is a lifelong practice of evolution and growth. And and it has its own time. Mm. I'm like, as you probably feel like as a parent, like I'm still becoming because each phase of your kid is a new phase that we have to become into. Right. Just right. You dealt with the toddler. Now you're in a, like, you know, I've got a preteen here and it's like, oh, new parenting. And so we, but then you have more years of practice under your belt on that. And so yeah. the integration of old you that didn't have that practice yeah. is more succinct and more connected. And you have that path you've walked on a little bit more that you can, okay, I've seen this before. I can do this. Yeah. And when you're talking about confidence as a teacher, something was that popped into my mind was, you know, like, what are, like, what are the steps to confidence? Like, I think we're so conditioned and patterned in this world to think that, that there's like some magical step to being confident or that like that fear is absent from confidence. Mm-hmm. And to me, in my experience, I think of so much of it is, is this vulnerability of showing up possibly because guaranteed a class that I feel might've been my best class ever. I don't know what would ever determine what my best class ever would be, but let's say I did like I walk away from a class, I guarantee going, oh my God, that was my best class a hundred percent, there would have been somebody in that class who did not think that was the best class ever. Mm -hmm. 
Right. Right. Just vice versa. And I'm sure many teachers have been teaching for a long time have experienced this where you walked out of the class going, oh my God. <laughs> it was that oh, hot mess I, moment. <laughs> yeah. Like, what did I do? And then somebody invariably will come up to me and be like, oh my God, that was so great. And then I love, like, I'm, Thank you for those moments of hum humility because I'm like, oh, well, that to me is the moments. It's about the teaching. Like I was it's out of the like it wasn't yeah. about me. And I'm like, as yeah. much as I didn't really enjoy it, usually it's like, but you still got you. something out of it. Right. So, so we, all our role is as facilitators, teachers, mm -hmm. is to show up with compassion and this vulnerable heart and I think that's where it comes back to community and growth that we can't become on our it's becoming is not an individual process mm -hmm. and when we've had our own experience of suffering it does help us with other people's experience of suffering and there's probably many different layers you like this person's probably suffered more than me I've probably suffered more than that other and you know but it's we all have that and we can come into this vulnerable space of the heart as a teacher and walk in with an open heart and i even know that that's kind of a nebulous term and a little mm -hmm. bit like just open your heart like what does that mean yeah. and we can spend time unpacking that because but to me an open heart and i'm a visual person and so this is what how i see it is and if you could see me right now my hands are in this sort of like open palms like i'm cupping a, a gentle kitten in my hand kind of image and when we've got this vulnerable strength, meaning my hand is in my heart here and my palms are cupping it. If I'm feeling confidently vulnerable, let's say, then I'm able to let my heart move away from my body a little bit. And this is more like imagery, right? So this mm -hmm. is obviously energetic. Mm -hmm. And then because in, in fact, if you maybe let's those of you listening, feel let's make this as a fun practice. So, you know, I've got one palm, both of my palms are open and cupped on top of each other. And if you hold and imagine your heart, which is that compassionate, open, loving, caring, best yoga teacher ever self. Mm -hmm. right? And then you slowly move it forward away from your body. A lot of times this is going to start to feel more vulnerable mm. because wait, if I pull my heart back in, I can, I can close my shoulders around it. I can compress, I can tighten, I can hold it closer, but comfortable, open-hearted confidence is this practice of letting the heart sit out in front of us, metaphorically speaking. And maybe there's that person in a class going, ugh, I'm like, that was the worst class I've ever done. Can your heart stay out there? Right. Right. Or somebody else is like, oh my God, that was the best class ever. You're amazing. You're so good. Can your heart stay neutral and not, mm. you know, go up into the head and the ego be like, yeah, I am. <laughs> so it's this beautiful, I call it a practice of heartfulness. And I've played with this before in different workshops. And it's been an interesting thing back when we could all be in rooms together. Right. You know, it's been this interesting practice of, of this sort of, so I encourage if this made sense to you without seeing me uh, to play with that. And somebody once said, they're like, oh, you could, it's like, you can have your heart on this retractable dog leash. You know? mm. <laughs> so it's like, okay, I can practice being vulnerable. Oh, I don't like it. I'm going to pull it back in a little yeah. bit. Right. And I think, but there's this compassion and this love. And so as teachers, can we have that energy of walking into a class with a compassionate and resilient open heart and trust that somebody's probably not going to like our class and that's okay. And right. somebody's going to like it and that's okay. But I'm going to show up as me and I mm -hmm. might mess up my left and rights. I might mess up, 
some pose and and forget I, 20 years later I'm still like we'll forget aside you know like right, right. little normal things but we don't have to retract and pull our heart back in and hide ourselves and yes. close off yeah because that's, that's kind of where the magic is is holding that heart vulnerably open and then it gets more and more resilient over time and and maybe that's the the becoming mm. can we walk vulnerable around in this world with these open hearts and and be touched by the world because yeah. there's pain and suffering. And that's another right. reason to pull the heart back in. Right. Well, that comp, I love that you said confidently vulnerable. And isn't that our ability to extend out that I, I am able to go towards someone instead of re- retracting or retreating, I can go towards seek to understand, seek to, you know, to draw into connection versus, you know, let me run or let me, you know, retreat and get away um, when things, because I would have to say probably the, the confident vulnerability is not comfortable. No, <laughs> no, because it, because it's little, it, it, because it shows all our doubts and vulnerabilities, the, the things that we didn't ever look at necessarily, the stories that we've been brought up with Mm. true or false you know Mm -hmm. like I'm not lovable or everybody's going to leave me or whatever right like these very human patterns and then when your heart is coming out there it's gonna be like well look that person's leaving me you know and that's so there's our yoga is our yoga and that shows up in our teaching and that shows up in our because it's also because we care that open compassionate heart is because we care about others and and if anything too within that we don't have to know the suffering of other people in our classes necessarily because mm. we can't mm-hmm. ever know. Right. But what we can know with that confidently vulnerable heart is where we extend it open. And there's just this, you know, just this, this space of love and acceptance that we can create. That's, I don't, I pause a little bit because I, I, that's one of my big things as a teacher and facilitator is, you know, two of my main words is that is like freedom and permission are my two main teaching words. Mm-hmm. I want to offer the space of freedom and permission, whatever that means for people. And so that's mm-hmm. going to inform how I teach my classes. Right. Those words might be different for somebody else. Your, yours might be as a teacher, I, I want to have offer love and kindness, you know, mm-hmm. but for me, freedom and permission is that comfortable, vulnerable heart where I don't know what your suffering is, but you know what? Hey, you're okay. Right. I see you. It's fine. Let's have fun. Let's giggle and be practice this in our bodies, you know, be comfortable, confidently vulnerable in a balancing pose. Right. That's a night, right? Like play with discomfort of balancing and, Oh, I'm going to fall over. No. Okay. I got it. Because that physicality that our yoga asana can give us also then reinforces this practice of the heart. Right. And then that obviously on the mat, so to speak, translates for us to remember as we're out in the light, you know, the life practice really of the ability to know, I, yeah, I can sense and remember that, that I can do that out here in this posture uh, of life. And so I'm also hearing too, you, you know, as a teacher in preparation to go in with that, that, that confident vulnerability, you're going in with a clear intention, like you, your words, you said, you go in with the, that, that's your intention. And in my experience too, and how I try to support teachers or, or in, in training teachers is to, to get clear on the intention you're going in with. And um, it creates, like you said, you, you may not know who's in there, 
and what they're going through, but they will trust you because they're drawn to, they, they, they sense your intention, right? And they're drawn to that. And, and it's just you being you, but you're being clear and intentional, as best you can you know it's yeah like, I don't think I've ever gone into a class so intentional going this <laughs> class is freedom and permission and you know <laughs> right. but, but it's through the workings of myself because that's yes. all I ever want for who I am right and permission so right. this is what I want to offer people yes and and here's another thing that's kind of even more because a lot of the, like yeah more real life stuff so teachers as you're listening also trust the practice so when we because it's it's easy to have that as we've talked about in a lot of different ways as like be grounded in our practice show up with your intentions like yes yes and I know we get that on some level and then within that trust too that you don't even have to say anything you don't I don't have to say the words freedom of permission Mm. I don't have to say I can even just say like the most okay step your left foot let's breathe tune in like and nothing more than that Yes, but if we're holding that kindness and compassion and our and our comfortably vulnerable hearts out in front of us a little bit, that's the energy that helps nurture whatever people need to receive in the practice itself. So mm. I think a lot of times I talk to teachers saying, you know, like this, all we need to do as teachers is this is a buffet. We offer a buffet of movement choices. We offer a buffet of experiences. It's not my responsibility what you pick out of that buffet. <laughs> Right. I'm just here and I cooked it with love. Right. <laughs> so that's what you're going to pick up. That's yeah. my only responsibility. So here's yeah. my love. And then you do do with it what you will. So yeah. you, like responsibility off the shoulders and, and trust the practice meaning. Trust that the yoga is, is working for people. It's not our responsibility to lead them mm. and, and have them pick it up. We would love it. I'd love it if every single person <laughs> who come to my class like became better mindful, more aware, socially conscious humans who are actively ready to change the world. That would be amazing, <laughs> right? Probably not going to happen, mm-hmm. but I'm going to just do my best to show up in the way that I know how. And, you know, cause I think about this, I'm going to use a dramatic example of my own bias. So let's say something like Bikram yoga, which, and I say, this is my bias because I don't objectively ish as a physical practice. It may not be the most sustainable one for a lot of Mm -hmm. people's bodies and joints so Mm -hmm. I'll describe it as that but Mm -hmm. guess what there's it would not have ever been so popular if it didn't also do something so even in what I think is not the best physical asana yoga experience style it still made a difference for people it still hooks them into who they are so who am I in my lofty ideals of what I want everybody to do (laughs) and this is the only way to heal and grow right so teachers we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to create these experiences and I think that's again then of course then it becomes that no wonder I'm an imposter no wonder Mm -hmm. I'm not an expert because like that pressure of all these things can we dial it down and go okay how about this? How about I can just play with my own com- com- whatever confident heart or yeah. whatever I've been saying, you know, means. Yes. Play with that. And maybe that's the only responsibility you want to play with for the next five classes you teach. Right. Right. You, you know how to teach the asanas. You know how to set people up for breathing and shavasana. It's really not complex. Right. <laughs> so how about the only responsibility that we want to play with? So this is your homework. <laughs> Should you choose... Should you choose to take the buffet choice and right. homework today of exploring, okay, how can I just show up as real as myself, 
vulnerable and with a lot of love and care. Mm. Even if I say nothing of that, right? Even if I don't say some deep word of wisdom that I leave (laughs) everybody like, no, we don't know when awareness arrives for people. It's not Mm. our job. Exactly. Just hold the space with care and love and we hold ourselves with care and love. Yeah. (sighs) Love that. I love that. Like one of my teachers told me it's not rocket science, people. It's not rocket science. Don't complicate this. Um, So let's talk about someone who is feeling um, a calling, a a sense that they want to step into a a teacher training program. What what kind of advice would you give for someone who's who's having those thoughts um, circulating around? What what would you share with them? Congratulations, taking the yes. next step. <laughs> yes. Uh, in, because I think the, the question within that question too is, is well, okay, I'm thinking of doing this teacher training. There's so many teacher trainings out there. Do I do it now we're COVID and there's mm. all so many more even online trainings and are those good or do I do an in-person but then that seems sketchy, right? Like all of the right. things and who and what and it costs this much and that one. So I would first and foremost first and foremost would go, your first training, 200 hours is not the last training. Mm-hmm. And even if you never did an actual official, here's your piece of paper, you're a yoga teacher training. If you never did another one beyond the one that you first did, there's gonna be more workshops, there's gonna be more learning, just showing up and teaching is also part of your training. Mm-hmm. So in my opinion, a teacher training is just a small stepping stone. Yes. The beginning okay so cool we all know cool that's the beginning so then who and where and what find places oh boy yeah there's because <laughs> it's, an... it's a big question <laughs> yeah and I'm watching my own bias come out so I think it's something <laughs> so I'm just aware of that of, of like my biases and just and this is what's happening a lot in the yoga world right now and I'm loving it so much and it's so necessary and needed I think it's more and more important for a yoga training to be acknowledging the history and roots, not just yoga philosophy, not just here's your 15 hours of the yamas and the niyamas, right. but let's talk about the appropriation, the colonization, mm-hmm. the how yoga actually came to the West and how Western white people have appropriated it unknowingly in a lot of cases and right. unintentionally, but nonetheless, there has been impact felt by the traditional cultural holders of this practice when Mm. there's a lot of young white people being the leaders Mm. and not so I think so this is my bias but I think it's a great bias and I'm going to stand behind it because it's really important for yoga teacher training to have that perspective because Mm -hmm. especially if you're a white like a non-indigenous non-indian um uh south asian teacher because that's where this practice comes from and we need to know truly how to honor it and not unconsciously appropriate it right so there are some great teachers out there i'm going to just name some names because this is sharing that too so there's Susanna barkataki she's really amazing uh i have kali shoot who's kali yoga rebel tribe or yoga rebel tribe she's one of our teachers in our teacher training who she's like one of my most favorite people and just teaches this stuff that's in yeah so (laughs) so once you kind of find those two then you can have a, a nice bouncing off or a jumping off point for another important teacher so definitely that and then 
do, is it a style that you resonate? Be clear, what kind of yoga do I want to teach? Who do I want to teach? So if you're not clear on that and just you just sign up for some power yoga class or teacher training that you aren't thinking and realizing like, I don't actually care about power yoga. These aren't right. the people I'm going to be teaching. Why am I learning this? Mm. So before you do your training, ask the questions, who do I want to teach and what kind of yoga do I want to teach? Mm -hmm. And then once you can become clear on that, then that can inform you. So let's say you want to teach a more informed, accessible, loving, sustainable approach to yoga. Again, one of my biases, <laughs> that's what I teach. So then you find schools and programs that are offering that. So it's in line. So you don't have to unlearn stuff because I know a lot of people go to trainings just to get the certification and then they're unlearning stuff that they didn't care about. Yeah. It's a waste of your time and money. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I think, I think that's a huge question. I think those yeah. are, I'm going to kind of cap it at those two answers. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one other little piece, would you, what do you feel? So, so we know that that 200 hour, that first is just a start point point and it's barely really getting started. But what would you say is like, maybe a, a must have, or, or like, what should someone leave with? Like, what would be a crucial something that they should leave with from that experience? That's a pretty big question. Oh, I, know. I love that. But <laughs> may we all ask that. And anybody who's running teacher trainings, may we all be clear on that as facilitators and mm. curriculum builders. That's yes. an amazing question. And I definitely, two things come into my mind and it's gonna be reflective of what I just said was like really being more clear on our responsibility as uh, teachers of this tradition and what it really means to not appropriate, mm. to honor and carry forward and share space and build community and build more accessible classes, accessible, not even just like the way that we move, but accessible, like who's not coming to yoga and why, Right. Um, you know, in your community. So I think having that social responsibility is 100% important mm -hmm. because that's how we can evolve and change the practice because there needs to be a lot of evolution right. within it. And then within that, uh, my goodness, most of the classes that we teach are going to be asana-based classes, mm. realistically. So if we don't have a comfortable, confident knowledge of how the body works and not just, you know, if there's a teacher training that's like, oh, we've got 10 hours of anatomy and all the anatomy is really just memorizing bones, muscles, and joints, it's a waste of your time, mm -hmm. in my opinion. I'm going to mm -hmm. get a little more, uh, <laughs> like, truly, because you're teaching bodies to move and on it, like, yes. knowing the name of a muscle and that yes. joint doesn't help translate when you've got somebody in a class who's got a shoulder, a frozen shoulder. Right. So, if you can find a training that gives you the fundamentals of under, like applied anatomy, anatomy in movement, so that, I mean, we say this in our training too, I literally do not care if you know the names of the muscles. It's fun and please yeah. do. <laughs> but if you don't, that's, I don't care because if you know how that shoulder joint moves and if you've got strategies to help improve the mobility around that shoulder joint for different people in PS scope of practice, we are not physiotherapists, da, 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 yes. right? Yes, but you can at least have this sort of foundational understanding of movement, then you are that much more of a confident, empowered teacher, because you can have 20 different people in class, mm -hmm. and you can feel more confident in how to work that class for you. And in fact, I would confidently say that the imposter syndrome goes down a little bit. So yes. if you're holding this dual sort of 
uh, you know, I'm just thinking my, my stuff is heart and bone. So it's like you're, if you're holding this dual heart work of your internal, your yoga is your yoga, you're aware of the social conditions of yoga and how we get to evolve it and make it more accessible for more people, the heart stuff combined mm -hmm. with the bones and combined with the anatomy, combined with this love of movement and how to make it less about the pose and more about the person. Yes. I think that's a pretty magical, <laughs> my humble opinion. Yes. <laughs> a pretty, like, you'll be in I agree. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I love that. And I just think about the foundation. Like, you know, we've yeah. talked about it's a start point and what a great foundation to set because you, you know, you're, it's not going to be the last, like you're going to continue to learn, continue to be inspired to learn more, but what a great foundation to, you know, get you going and um, love that answer <laughs> uh, and appreciate you um, sharing that. That's good stuff. And um, Bri, it's been, gosh, I've enjoyed chatting with you and I want to give you time. You know, you've shared little pieces here and there of, of, of you and, and your work and your service in the community, but go ahead and share with us, you know, how people could connect with you further, how they might, if you've got something going on, you know, that they can plug into and um, connect a little further. I'd love for our listeners to know about that. Yeah, you can I always feel so I feel I have to put on a, you can find me over at, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but you can, but you can find me over at, so on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Uh, heartandbonesyoga.com or heartandbonesyoga. Yeah. I highly like come find me on those platforms, especially Instagram and Facebook, because I also do a lot of funny, silly things. So <laughs> you'll laugh, you'll learn and yeah. <laughs> kind of poke things in the, yeah. in the yoga world. Right. But uh, yeah, and YouTube, uh, Heart and Bones, lots of a whole ton of great educational content and tutorials of movement and applied anatomy. Yeah. And then also, most importantly, though, come over to heartandbonesyoga.com because we have our global online studio. So you've got a bunch. You can see how this sustainable approach really just shows up in real life again in that playful, loving yeah. sort of way. And I've kind of mentioned it on and off a bunch of times, but our teacher training courses, we have a couple courses, two courses, if you don't want to do it, be a teacher, if you just want continuing education, we have a 10 hour one and then like a bigger teacher development one. And then of course, my special love is our modern yoga teacher training. And it's all online since COVID. We've been doing it for, this will be our fourth year running. Nice. And it's, powerful because it's that it is that integration between um the heart and the bones yes <laughs> and, and it's a combo that. of 200 and 300 hours so it's kind okay. of this neat online interactive check it out you'll, you'll yeah learn. absolutely what a great resource and so thank you again Brie I have enjoyed um chatting with you and uh, connecting with you and that's really the, this podcast it it just gives me great opportunity to connect with people all around the globe. And so I appreciate you um, sharing conversation with me today. And um, I just wish you well and, and good luck on your rehab with your toe. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. And thank you so much for having me. This was a lovely yeah. conversation. Great. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. Until we meet again, remember to begin, to become, and to expand beyond. <laughs>